Well, it's been so good uh, reflecting this week on communion. And I'm reminded again that this ritual, which we haven't shared for two years, helps us, reminds us of some of the core characteristics of our faith. So it's so good to be together here sharing this. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for your faithfulness and that all that we have needed, thy hand hath provided for our salvation and for our reconciliation with you and one another. In Christ's name, we thank you. Amen. In our Emmaus story today, the risen Jesus returns to his followers to do what he has always loved to do with them, to walk with them, to talk with them, and to share a table with them. Our Lord Jesus lovingly returns to those who just three days before had deserted, betrayed, denied, and just plain given up on him. And in his several post-resurrection encounters, Jesus offers his followers words of astonishing forgiveness and reconciliation. Peace be with you. Feed my sheep. And at one table after another, Jesus heals the souls of his followers. And then he sends them out to go share with others the same astonishing forgiveness and reconciliation they have just received. And to share it with others. I want us to notice this pattern today because we're going to be living and dwelling in this pattern again and again. Even while we are still sinners, Jesus reaches out to us with astonishing love and forgiveness. No need for us ever to prove that we're worthy enough or good enough. Instead, we in Jesus are unconditionally embraced and gathered in and reconciled to God period. And then after that, we are sent out to share this forgiveness and reconciliation with others. Now, in listening to this story today, one of the things that won't surprise you is that I was absolutely thrilled that it begins with a seven-mile walk. A walk from Jerusalem westward all the way to Emmaus. And depending on your walking speed, we all have different walking speeds I've discovered. And on your pace and your stride, it will take you about two or three hours to get to Emmaus. And so I'd like to reflect a little bit with you today on how walking together can be a crucial spiritual practice that leads us then to a table of deep communion with God 
and each other together. Now for Cleopas and his companion in this story, it's been an absolutely shell-shocking day. They'd hoped that Jesus would be the one who would throw off the hated Roman occupier, occupiers and usher in God's kingdom of love and justice and shalom. But instead what happens? Roman and religious leaders conspire to have their teacher killed. And now rumors are swirling around everywhere that Jesus's tomb is empty and his body has gone missing. And I have to wonder if in the midst of all of this chaos, this is why these two are leaving Jerusalem. And we even have to wonder, are they also leaving discipleship as well? Throwing in the towel and just plain giving up. You know, when we are faced with deep sadness or disappointment or an unsolvable problem or a big creative musical or writing block, what do we often do? We go out on a very long walk. And have you ever wondered why we do this? We all do it naturally, but why do we do it? During my sabbatical, I read about this, and science tells us that when we are stuck, there is nothing better for us than to go outside and ambulate. In times of anxiety, stress, and fear, we tend to get stuck right back here in our brains, in the lower reptilian fight, flight and fight part of our brain. But walking, this side-to-side -side motion, this bilateral movement, helps us to move from the back of our brains upward into the front lobes of our brains, which are our places of creativity and compassion and love. And so in our story, it's interesting that as Cleopas and his companions are walking to Emmaus, Jesus comes near, and then as they walk together, as they ambulate, their minds are open to understand God's salvation story in the Bible and where it has been heading all along. Jesus, in other words, takes them upstairs in their brains. and deeper into their souls. Jesus takes them upstairs in their brains and deeper in their souls. You know, at the end of our leadership retreat three weeks ago, that's exactly what Sue Waterfield and Jean Kilherfer Hess did with us. They invited all 12 dozen of us at the end of our retreat to go on a walk together around Musser Park and back. And there we were, a dozen of us, 
walking together, relaxing, laughing, learning that walking together in love is not just a spiritual metaphor, but also an embodied practice. There's one other crucial thing that happens when we're out walking with others. We invariably encounter beauty. And Merle, I loved the hymn about beauty that we sang this morning. Beauty, you see, has a way of, and many of you have talked with me about this, your walks in the forest and in parks and in green spaces, and how this has a way of relaxing our minds and awakening our souls. Seeing natural beauty has a way of helping us to go upstairs in our brains and deeper into our souls. And God created this beauty. So isn't it completely natural that this would be the way that it is? Walking with a friend this past Friday afternoon at the golden hour, it's my favorite time to walk, 4 or 5 p.m., the golden hour of the day. We were over at Marion Street and North Ann, right there at the corner. We were just finishing up our talk, and all of a sudden we looked up into the golden sky, and it was a bald eagle hovering overhead amidst all the crows. <laughs> you know how that is at this time of year. And for both of us, it was a time of opening of our eyes, of our hearts, to the sacredness of this God moment. And so I have to wonder, is it too much of a stretch to imagine that Jesus and his two friends are walking to Emmaus at precisely the golden hour? It's at the end of the day, the story tells us. And that the sun in front of them, just like Don described last week, is a great ball of fire covering the landscape with a wash of crimson and amber and gold. And is it too much to imagine that in this moment, their souls were being awakened and softened by this experience of the beauty of God's world? And it's precisely now that these two friends invite Jesus to come in for supper. Stay with us. I love those words. Stay with us, dear Jesus. Their shared walk has now led them to a shared table of communion. And at the table... Jesus again does what Jesus loves to do. He takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and shares it. And suddenly their eyes are opened. And Jesus is made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And ever since, Christ continues to be vibrantly present with us wherever and whenever we break bread together. Let me close. 
On our walks together lately, with quite a few of you, you've been sharing with me how very hard life feels these days. Pandemic exhaustion, environmental catastrophe, rumors of war in Ukraine, the poor getting poorer and billionaires becoming zillionaires. Anxiety often filling our days and troubling our nights. Amen? It's a hard time to be part of the human family. But friends, let us not throw in the towel. Let us not give up on our faith. Because there is more love in God than in all the brokenness around us or within us. There is more grace in God than all the brokenness around us and within us. And today, our Lord wants us to experience his unconditional love and forgiveness for us to take his life into our lives. And then to go share with the world this same astonishing forgiveness and reconciliation that we've experienced. And so today we're going to do something a little different. Our brief time for confession and reflection will happen after communion and not before. We'll be asking in a time of silence at the end, in light of God's amazing grace, what do we now need to set right? How do we need to live differently? What does God's love require of us?